Today's podcast is brought to you by Pillar Performance. If you guys listen to my podcast or know me personally, you know that sleep is a massive part of my life. And if you do any sort of research into sleep, it has massive effects on your running and performance in life. You're only as good as you can recover. And the best way to recover is with a good night of sleep. For me, a product I use to strengthen my sleep, particularly my deep sleep and REM sleep, the quality of my sleep is Pillar Performance. My go-to product from them is their triple magnesium, which has been a game changer for my sleep and recovery. It uses a high dose of glycinate magnesium, and I take it 30 minutes before bed each night. Where Pillar differs from other micronutrition you may have taken before is the tangible and measurable results you'll see on your fitness wearable. Again, I take it every night before bed, and I wear a whoop, and I've seen a significant increase in REM and deep sleep, and that has been an absolute game changer in my training. If you would like to try Pillar today, head to pillarperformance.shop or for my U.S. listeners, head to thefeed.com slash pillar and enter code DOMINIC in all caps for 15% off. That's DOMINIC for 15% off all first-time purchases. Again, I can't recommend this product enough and I highly recommend at least trying it out and seeing if it works for you. Looking ahead to Orlando, we're recording this on January 22nd. The race is on February 3rd, if I'm not mistaken. How do you feel? Not just like physically, but like emotionally, mentally looking towards the race. I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. I think I think what's been really nice is having Jared Ward as a, as a mentor, a training partner, um, and hearing his thoughts about 2016 and 2020. Like 2016, he entered as like an underdog. And he ran to qualify and he went and qualified and he ran the perfect race to qualify. He paced it perfectly. He'd never, never was like, I mean, when there was a breakaway of three, he never, he only passed one of those guys. He never caught back up to Galen or Meb. He was never really competing with them, but, in, but he ran to qualify and it was really cool to see, like I've, I've since rewatched the race, but as I've talked to him, learning about how, his mentality at the trials was like, I wish I could quote him better, but it was not just like, this is just another race, but in a way it kind of was like that. Like, I know what I'm doing. This is just another race. I'm just going to go out and get the best of myself. And he had some, like, he had a really bad travel heading to the trials. He got there like the night before, um, him and his wife, the night, night before the Olympic trials in 2016, they split some salmon and a baked potato. And that was his pre his pre-race dinner heading into the Olympic trials. And he takes third by like, he has a minute on fourth or something like that. Um, but he was talking about how he gets to the trials and he's looking around at everyone and they're so nervous. It's like they've put the weight on the of the world on their shoulders at the start line. And he's just kind of went as himself. You know, it, it's like, I am... I'm, I'm running a race. That's all I'm doing. It's not, I have to qualify for the trial or for the Olympics. It's I'm running another race. So I thought that was pretty cool. What do you remember from the 2020 trials? Like, did you watch that race? You were in college at the time you were tearing up the NCAA. Um, what I remember most is COVID happened like two weeks later. So hopefully nothing happens this time. Uh, what are your Uh, recollections from, from that race? Did you watch it? What were your thoughts? I, I, yeah, so I was actually supposed to run that. Um, right. I, don't know if you I remember I, that. Yeah, because you were in that. That I feel like made headlines because people were like, "This is one of the first times a college kid is 
Because you were still in college at the time, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I was I was going to run the Houston Half Marathon to qualify. And I was fit. I was working out with Jared um, and Connor McMillan. Jared has Jared was the top mar- American marathoner in 2019, um, sixth at Rio. So he's pretty accomplished. And he he was just looking really good. He was, he was probably, I mean, of course I watched it because he was the favorite. But I was working out with him and... We did, it was like, we did five by 1200 at like, I don't know if it was 313 average. It's not Kipchoge's type of workout, (laughs) but like, that was pretty quick for us. Um, That was pre-Super Shoes. We were working out in Super Shoes yet. We had them. Like, I had a pair of Vaporfies, but it was like, you don't work out in them, you race in them. And then uh, we did a 10 mile uh, PMP. It was supposed to be like, projected marathon pace and we me and jared ran like 456 i was in like my trainers so the nike pegasus it's a great shoe but nothing compared to the vaporfly um and so it was like oh i'm so fit and then i did a 20 mile long run that saturday and i ran my last three miles were supposed to be at five flat and i ran them in 501 and then I fractured my sacrum. So like, I didn't get to run Houston. I didn't get to qualify for the trials. <laughs> um, so I wasn't at the trials, but I got to watch it on TV. And so when I, when I watched it, I was pretty down because I was like, oh, I, I want to be there, you know? Um, and like, it was, it was kind of a rough, rough watch party. Um, the entire BYU distance team was all together watching it. And we had three guys who had really good chances of qualifying. Jared Ward had the biggest chance, and then Connor McMillan had a really good chance. He was one of the like one of the eight guys with the Olympic standard heading in. Uh, don't know if it was eight, but it wasn't. There wasn't that many. And then Nico Montanez, who ran for BYU as well, um, but I didn't. Yeah, he, he's he's a little older than me, and then he had, he wasn't training in Provo anymore. So you had like these three guys were all excited to see like one, at least Jared was going to make the team, but maybe Connor McMillan or Nico was going to sneak on too. And it was just like this heartbreaking race of, oh crap, all my, all my friends are sucking today. (laughs) And it was just, it was a tough watch, but that, that was probably the thing I remember most. The second thing I remember is there were a lot of moves and gaps that were created then that disappeared. Like people went out to try and win early on and they like Brian Schrader went out and had a minute lead and he didn't finish. And that was kind of crazy. I remember there was so much talk about the Hills leading into it. Like an absurd amount of talk about the Hills. I feel like Orlando, this was the kids with the LA a little bit, although I was like too young. I wasn't really following the sport back then, uh, is the talk about the weather, the heat. You were just in Orlando for a week, uh, about a week. Was that mostly for kind of some heat acclimation? What was the thought process behind that? And how much do you think heat will affect the race, specifically coming from Provo, which is, as you know, in the winter, sometimes a little rough on the cold spectrum? Yeah. Yeah. So we went out. Um, the thought process to go out was one, like get some heat training, two, look at the course, um, and three, get out of Utah because it was, it was really icy last week. And two weeks ago, it was icy. So, coach was like, look, you guys are going to th- are thinking about going to Orlando. You, you probably should. And so 
we decided to go to Orlando. It wasn't that warm when we went, so we didn't get any real heat training. It was like we would finish runs, and then we'd just go to a sauna and do our heat training in a sauna in Orlando, Florida, <laughs> which I thought was kind of funny. But, yeah, um, that, that's the reason we went down. What was your next question? I, I couldn't remember. I, I feel like you answered it. Yeah, um, maybe... Okay, I think I asked as well, like, how do you think the heat will affect the race, I believe? Maybe. Oh, yeah. I, the heat is, is definitely going to be a big equalizer. I think that's, like, the one, like, as far as my fitness goes, if the weather's good, I, I think I'm in a very good spot heading in. Like, it's going to be a very tough race, but I think I'm going to make the team. Um, but, it, like, I think the heat is what what has me nervous. Like, will I be able to make the team if it's, know 80 degrees while we're running or 70 degrees and 80 percent humidity so i think it's a big equalizer but it's definitely changed my training um this morning i was running in oh i had like it was like 35 degrees it wasn't super cold but i was wearing uh like a short sleeve a long like a thick long sleeve and then a cotton like a sweatshirt and like tights and then a uh, pair of cotton uh, joggers just to kind of simulate that, um, humidity and heat the best I could. So I feel like I'm well prepared for it, but it, it definitely, definitely, I think is going to slow people down. And I think it's really going to make those miles from 18 to 26, like a lot different. I don't think, I think it's going to start out pretty slow. And I think there's going to be people that'll drop off pretty early. Um, who wouldn't otherwise drop off from a slow pace. Do you feel like NCAA cross prepared you well for a situation like the U S Olympic marathon trials? Here's what I mean by that. When you're running NCAA cross, there was a man by the name of Wesley Kipto who's tearing it up these days, by the way, but he would like do the most insane sprint to the front. Then he'd come back. You dealt with that all the time. You ran in an era of the NCAA where I feel like there was so much cat and mouse. For the yeah. trials, as you mentioned, 2020, a lot of similar things happened. Like Schrader went out super fast. I think he led through 16 by a minute. Um, and I feel like that happens a lot in marathons where you have to be very calculated about letting someone go, when do you catch up, all those sort of factors. Whereas the track, it's a lot more straightforward. You generally go with moves. For you, do you feel like your years of NCAA cross and that strategy will help you in this kind of situation if it happens? Oh, 100%. I think NCAA cross was really like, I don't know. I really think a lot back to my last uh, last year, but I mean, I guess my first or first title was probably one I should also remember, like because that's when it was hot and it was pretty hot. And Wesley went out, and I went out with him in two thirty one, our first thousand meters, and then we everyone blew up in that field. Like after that, my average was like two fifty nine per k, so it was like it was a huge difference. Um, that first K through the rest of the race. But I do think, you know, the, the heat and watching past trials has made me very conscious about, okay, like I don't need to like do anything insane or special to break away early on. It very much has me like, like reminds me to be focused and run my own race. You know, somebody can go out way fast and have a minute on me through halfway, but if they go out in 63 minutes and it's hot, I'm not going to be worried about them. Like they'll come back. 
Let's talk about a workout that I think we've referenced two, three times, and then we'll close this thing out. Uh, mm-hmm. The one in Orlando last week, I think you guys call it, and it's a pretty classic workout you guys will repeat throughout a marathon cycle. I think you call it like an eight-mile fatigue run, which is generally not in super shoes, and then you come back to the track and you do three-by-mile. The weather had other plans and I think made it all the more impressive to me. Take me through this workout. Yeah, so we, we I don't know, we get to Orlando pretty late Monday night, but we knew that's what we are going to do Tuesday. Um, and we're trying to find where to do this workout and i was pretty set on let's do it on a track and in orlando it's different than utah where you can just get on any high school track um and so we went to what's called the national training center um i i don't know much about it really i just know that's where noah lyles and his sprint group trains and so we went to this track clayton Clayton emailed whoever we were supposed or her name's Christy, who we were supposed to talk to about getting there. And, but he didn't email her until that morning. So we get there at like 10 o'clock and then she's like, oh, well, these guys aren't done yet. Like you got to wait till they're done. And then we had to sign all this paperwork at a building that was nearby. And so we did eight miles around Florida and like 5.15, 5.20 pace, somewhere around there. And I mean, I was in the Nike of Amaro's great recovery shoe, but not one if you really want to hammer. I mean, I can do, I've done some pretty quick runs in them, but that's not what they're meant for. They're like the best recovery shoe, I think though. Um, So we did that fatigue and then we went to the track. We did one mile of the mile repeats and it's like super, super windy. And then it starts pouring rain at the, at the end of it. And then like right before we're about to start our second one, a guy comes out, he's like, you gotta get off the track. Like you, you should probably come in this little like building that was like, oh, like a shed, but it had been made into like a locker room. And so we go in there and they're like, yeah, with the, with the, there's a lightning um, delay, you can't be out. And so you can't be out on the track. And so we, we went to our car and drove around. And when they took us to this little locker room thing, this shed, like Noah Lyles was right there getting a massage. So that was pretty cool to see, like fastest man on earth, right, like five feet in front of you. Um, but then, yeah, we went and did a cool down and just made the decision to come back later that day if the, when the weather improved. So we came back around four and did like just two mile warm up, three by mile, it was still really windy, um, but it wasn't raining and there was no lightning. Yeah, I think I ran like 414, 413, 409, and I jog, jog a lap rest. And it felt felt pretty good. Legs were, legs were a little tired from the travel and uh, the morning, but it wasn't like I was either Clayton nor myself were dying. So it was a good workout. With those splits, put this man on the 5K team. Oh, that would be... (laughs) It it, it kills me. I don't get to run track at the end of a marathon build because I feel like, like, man, I think I could PR in every distance from the 15 meter up right now. Like, but I can't. I have to, like, I have to peak for a marathon. (laughs) 
Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the podcast. I don't take your time for granted, so I hope that it brought you some wisdom and value that you can apply directly into your running and into your life. If you have not already done so, please consider giving us a follow and a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And then something all of you guys can do is share today's episode or the podcast in general with a friend or someone who you think will benefit from it. One more note, if you're not already following us on Instagram, consider doing so. My Instagram tag is at The Running Effect. I hope you're running and life is going well. I appreciate you taking time out of your busy life to listen to today's episode. I will catch you in two days when the next episode drops. Until then, happy running.